Well, guys, every week during Advent, we're going to have one big idea. We're going to call it a banner statement, started this last week. But one big idea, one theme, kind of for the whole week. And here is this week's theme uh, on the screen. And it's this, it's that Jesus the Messiah proves that God fulfills His promises even when all hope seems lost. Jesus the Messiah proves that God fulfills His promises even when all hope seems lost. So there's two words highlighted there. Uh, in, in, that, in that kind of banner statement. And one word is, is, is the title for Jesus, Messiah, and the other is the word hope. Both of those are found in this book this week, right? So as you study through Advent, each week of Advent has a theme. This week's, week, uh, this week's theme is hope. And uh, all week as you go home and you study on your own, uh, we, we're going to talk about hope. Uh, this begins tonight, families, okay? So uh, for everybody that has a copy of the book, you're going to begin tonight, and, uh, and it starts on page 20 with the Advent celebration. And so uh, it has here kind of, it's the first candle lighting. We'll do one here in person. You guys can do one at home. It has a little thing for you to read. And then starting tomorrow, you start daily devotions with your family. Now, you can do these on your own. Say, I'm, I'm single. That's great. That's your family. And, uh, and you, you, you read on your own. And uh, it's got a daily devotion every day. And, uh, and what we're going to do is each day this Advent season, we're going to study a different name of Jesus. And uh, we're going to talk about what that name means at the end of every devotion. There are some questions. It's called challenge, but it's questions for you to ask. There's a prayer for you to pray, and then there's more scripture for your family to read. So this can take five minutes. It can take 50 minutes. It's up to you what you guys want to do. At the end of five days of study, there's a list of ideas. Now, you do not have to wait till Saturday to do all those ideas. Like you can incorporate them all through the week, but ideas this week, decorate the Christmas tree, make Christmas cookies. It's got all kinds of fun things to do for a family. It's action-packed. I think it's going to mean a lot for you. And again, this week, our focus is hope. And on Friday, we're going to talk about the name of Jesus as Messiah. And uh, with that in mind, right, kind of our banner statement fresh in your, in your mind and hearts, that Jesus the Messiah proves that God fulfills His promises even when all hope seems lost. I want to talk to you uh, specifically about why that's true. So four things I'll share with you very quickly. Here is the first. Great job, by the way, Wade and Claire. You guys rocked it this morning. Uh, rocked it. So uh, four things I'm going to share with you this morning. Here's the first. I want you to know that we follow a God who promises that he has a plan to rescue, redeem, and restore us. We follow a God who promises that he has a plan to rescue, restore uh, and redeem us. And so, uh, guys, the whole message of the Bible, right, is that we were made in the image of God. We were made by God. We were made to be with God. But then we rebelled against the God that we were made to be with because we wanted to be like Him more than we wanted to be with Him. Right? We, we wanted to have His knowledge. And so, uh, at that moment when sin entered the world, uh, humanity was cast out of the presence of God. When we're cast out of the presence of God, we lost fellowship with God, that intimacy with God that the Bible says we were created for. It says that God planted eternity in the hearts of men, that we were meant to be able to walk with God and talk with God. So we, we lost that. We also lost the life of God, which is eternal life. And so death entered the world. Curse entered the world. Now we have to work. Now there's pain. Now there's disease. Now there's pandemics right and 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 it's it's bad it's not good we need to just kind of say that on the front end it's not good but but at that very moment God announces to his people hey I've got a plan 
I have a plan. Right? The, the one that tempted you, his head's going to get crushed. All things are going to be set right. And then the Bible unfolds that plan of God. It's going to start with, with a group of people. He's going to make a nation for himself out of that nation. God's going to re- really begin to work. He's going to set a, a, a people apart as a royal priesthood. And he's going to be their God and they're going to be his people. I, I think like, if we're looking for a, a verse that kind of summarizes this truth about our God is not a God who's sitting up there going, I don't know what to do. Uh, probably Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, right? And God declares, I know the plans I have for you. This is my declaration, plans uh, for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you future and hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And so we need to start here with this truth. Life is really messed up. It just is. Life is really messed up. It's not what it's meant to be. It's, it's a hard place to find hope sometimes. That's the truth. We long to be with God and nothing we can do can fix what's been done. That's the truth of the gospel. But there's another truth. God has a plan to fix it. God has a plan to fix He's working right now to fix it. Okay? So we start, we start there. We, we follow God who promises He has a plan to rescue, redeem, and restore us. Uh, we, we've got to talk about that plan a little bit more. So let's expand on it. God's plan is really a person. All right? God's plan involves an anointed person called the Messiah. As we study the scriptures, this is what we find. God's plan involves an anointed person called the the Messiah. So God's plan is a person, a a chosen one, right? Uh, That's what Messiah means. It it, it means anointed one or chosen one. Uh, God's plan involves a divinely unique individual who alone, no one else can do it, only this individual can do it, uh, will, will actually like begin usher in and carry out the plan of God, which again, it's a, it's a rescue mission. So, so, so listen, the, the Bible is, is a story about God's plan to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us. And, and, and God says all throughout His Word, my, my, my whole plan hinges upon one uniquely divine individual. Okay? And He is going to set all things right. Don't believe me. God lays out the plan starting in Genesis 3 at the fall. And so here's what the Word of God says. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I'll put hostility. He's speaking to the devil. I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman and your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Notice that word, he. It's a person. God's plan is a a person, a divinely unique individual. And this this person, this Messiah, this chosen one, this anointed one, is going to come, and he's going to come with a purpose. And the purpose for this person, God's divinely unique solution to our sin problem, his purpose is to rescue, restore, and redeem us. In fact, when Jesus shows up, he walks into the synagogue and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, hey, by the way, this has now been fulfilled in your presence. And what he's reading is his mission statement, right? And this is what it says, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, 1 through 3 the Spirit of the Lord uh, God is on me because the Lord has anointed me. I'm the Messiah, that's what he's saying, anointed, chosen one. I'm the Messiah. 
uh, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. Notice, heal, set free. Uh, we, we go on, he says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him. He's going to take their ashes and turn them to beauty. He's going to make fallen, sinful people righteous. He is going to do it. That's what it says. Notice. They will be called righteous trees planted by whom? The Lord. The Lord's plan is to take the people that rebelled against Him and He's going to make them right again. And He's going to do it all through one uniquely divine individual known as the Chosen One or the Messiah or the Christ as we find it in the New Testament. All right? So that's where we start. Man, we follow a God who has a plan to rescue, restore, and redeem. Uh, that plan is a person who Scripture calls the Messiah. We get to our third point. So despite Israel's disobedience and brokenness, Jesus came perfectly and perfectly fulfilled the promises of God. Say that again. Despite Israel's disobedience, and brokenness, Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled the promises of God. And so, uh, who's, who's running slides for me? Is that Meredith up there? Is that yes? Yes? Okay. Hey, the spotlight is like right here in my eye, so I can see a little bit of blonde hair. So, Meredith, do me a favor. I want you to go back to slide three, and that's kind of our banner statement for a second, and then we'll come back to this slide. Uh, let's go full screen. So, here's where we began. We began by saying Jesus is the Messiah, uh, Jesus the Messiah proves that God fulfills His promises even when all hope seems lost. Now let's go back to this one for a second. So, so listen, despite Israel's disobedience and brokenness, Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled the promises of God. Israel thought that God's promise couldn't be true anymore. Why? Because the promise of a Messiah, of, of, of a uniquely divine individual, uh, it was supposed to be somebody that was going to establish the throne of David forever. And, and when Jesus comes, nobody's on the throne. Right? The kingdom's been divided. I mean, completely. They've been taken captive. Now they're living under pagan rule. And, and, and in that moment, when, when you're going, wait a second, but, but God, wait, you, you said that we were your people and you'd be our, our God, but, but listen, they're, they're there not because God has forgotten, they're there because of their own sin, right? Because they're the ones that have turned from God. God's allowed them to be taken captive. He's rescued them out of that captivity. He's restored them to the land. But, but listen, all is not as it should be. And in the midst of that kind of brokenness, right? I, I don't know if that's your life story. Maybe you came in this morning and go, man, I, there's some stuff in my life that's jacked up. And I don't know how it could ever be made right. And in the midst of Israel's brokenness, God comes and He still fulfills His promise. And Jesus perfectly and uniquely fulfills that promise. Now, it wasn't the way that they thought it would be, Right? They were looking for a political ruler, someone like David, someone like Solomon. They wanted to be uh, politically, they wanted to be that, that, that place of influence. Christians, I'm speaking your language, right? Now that November's over, can we all finally say that 
our Savior is not a political Savior. Amen? Could we remember that for the next, like in four years? Have you filed that away yet? It's going to come again and come again and come again. Don't let people suck you into that. That's not where your Savior is. That's not what He's come to do. And so listen, the, the, the Savior comes and He's not the kind of Savior that the people were looking for, but He divinely, uniquely carries out the will of God and fulfills the promises of God. And He begins and inaugurates a kingdom that will last forever. And, and, and in doing so, He creates a new people for Himself Right? Of people that are not born of the flesh, but are now born of the Spirit because God is Spirit and true worshipers can only worship Him in Spirit and in truth. And so He says to all people, I don't care what your background is, you must believe in Me and be born again and you will be Mine and I will be Yours and nothing can ever take that away. This is the heart of the Gospel. Jesus comes and does that. And the fact that He does that for a people that have disobeyed, and the result is brokenness, should speak volumes to us. And that's the last point I want to share with you. Because I think this is the one we got to unpack and take home, right? This is the lesson I want you to grab a hold of. The fact that Jesus is the Messiah should give us hope that God will keep His promises to us too, even if our circumstances look bleak, Right? I was thinking this morning as I went through this, like, isn't the Bible a story of a God that comes through time and time again when circumstances look bleak? Right? Right? I, I mean, I mean, so God makes a promise. He says, Genesis 3, man, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people again. But it doesn't, it doesn't look that way, right? And we've got the fall, and then there's the flood, because there's no one righteous but, but one dude. And, and then God's like, hey, no, man, I'm, I'm going to start with this guy named Abram. And I, listen, man, this, this guy, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And this guy's 75 when he hears the word. I don't know about you, but at 75, you tell me I'm going to be a dad. I'm thinking you have lost your ever loving mine, not again, right? That's me, because I got four kids. And he's probably thinking, oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, 75, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know, Lord. Uh, children, you can talk to parents later about that. Uh, and I'm just thinking, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but, but and, and now, now he's 99, and it still hasn't happened, right? I mean, I mean, you're an old dude. You go, wait a second, wait a second. God, God man, back against the wall, man, all hope is lost. God's like, all hope's not lost. You're going to laugh at this, Sarah. Guess what? Right? And then God says, I'm going to make you into a nation. So take your only son, your one son, your only son, the one you've made into an idol. I want you to take him on the mountain. You're going to sacrifice your idol now. Raise an eye. All hope is lost, God. I don't know who you are. And then God provides again when your back's against the wall. He provides a substitute. It's this foreshadowing, this is what God's going to do for us. And then, of course, God said, Abraham, still go, wait a second, a nation? We're just a clan, Right? And there's Joseph. He gets sold into slavery and then put into jail. All hope seems lost. God raises him up and there's, there's, there's a worldwide plague. And now his father's back and the family's united. There in Egypt they become the nation that God promised. And then Pharaoh dies and now he wants to enslave them. So they cry out, God deliver us! And God delivers them out of the hands of Pharaoh by, by like a, an amazing, like the Passover. Like that's a miracle. Delivers them, and then their back is against the sea. And Pharaoh's army is coming, and all hope seems lost. And when all hope seems lost, 
God shows up and he parts the sea. And time and time again, throughout the Bible, you want to talk about David and Goliath. If you, you, you want to talk about the, you know, the, the promised land and, and the conquering that happens. You, you want to talk about captivity and release. Time and time again, God shows up when all hope is lost. And he proves that he is God and that he always keeps his word. Friends, you and I need to get that. Right? Because some of us in this room have experienced over the last several months what have confounded into some pretty dire straits in our life. And I'm not necessarily talking about finances, though that may be the case, but maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's spiritually, maybe your marriage is suffering, your relationship with your kids, and and you're going, "I, I don't know how this can be what it is meant to be. And what I'm telling you is Jesus is proof that God can do what he said he would do. And we need to be a people that believe that. And they trust God for those promises. So how, how, do we, how do we become those people? All right? So I'll give you three things. This is your homework leading into, you know, starting to be a new year. And I've got to wrap it up because we got a business meeting after all this. So here we go. All right. So first thing, number one, read your Bible. Say, so what? What does that have to do with the message that you just preached, Pastor? Read your Bible. Why? Because you need to be able to claim the promises of God as your own. And, and, and listen, I, I hate to tell you this, but, but God's promises, the one that you can count on, the one that God says build your life upon, those are all found in one place. It's in His Word. All right. So listen, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God still speaks. I believe that God speaks to me through prayer. I believe that He speaks to me through circumstance. Right? I believe all those things. Alright, but let me tell you what I'll build my life upon. I'm not going to build my life upon an impression of the whole, that I think the Holy Spirit may have given me. Right? Somebody says, man, the Lord, Lord spoke to me and He told me to blah, blah, blah. Well, well does that match up with this? Does that match up with it? Because if it doesn't match up with this, that's why the Bible says you've got to test every spirit. Because guess what? you got some wrong things going on in your head. Our heads are messed up. Amen? Man, our heads are messed up. We think some horrible thoughts, right? Then, then we got the devil who's always whispering in our ear. There's a whole lot of stuff you hear that is not from God. And you are not meant to build your life upon anything that you think or anything that the devil has told you to think. You are meant to build your life upon one thing. That is the Word of God. Jesus said, if you put my words into action, then you're a wise man. Then you're, my words, it's the Word of God. What I'm trying to tell you, listen, God still speaks. But the things, the promises that you are meant to make foundational in your life aren't going to be some impression that only you got. Not going to be some dude on a TV that said, oh, well, I heard. The promises you are meant to build your life upon will all be found right here. And they are tried and true. And they are unfailing, and they will come about. Now, they may not come about the way that you think they should. Because Jesus showed up, and he wasn't what everybody was looking for. But they will come about. So step one is read your Bible. All right? Step two, highlight or write down the promises of God. Now, I am giving you a little bit of a glimpse into where we are heading as a church. Highlight or write down the promises of God. Uh, we will have a New Year's gift for you. Uh, we'll actually probably hand them out. We're hoping to have them by Christmas. 
starting in January, I'll begin a new series. We're going to talk about a new form of discipleship, something that's happened, uh, probably should have happened. It hasn't just happened because of COVID, but we're realizing there's probably some better ways to do discipleship than what we have traditionally done. So we have traditionally thought of discipleship as Sunday school, which is just a smaller version of this, where you guys come, you sit down somewhere, and somebody talks at you. I don't think that's a great learning model, right? So ultimately, uh, we, we, we know is the way that people learn best is to get some skin in the game, right? To be doing it together. So what we've done is we have purchased journals for you guys, uh, and we've created a Bible reading plan for you guys. And we're going to ask everybody in the church to find a group of two to three people, or three to four, because it's two to three other than you. So three to four total, uh, same sex. So ladies with ladies, guys with guys, and we're going to read the Bible every day. And as we read, this is one of the things we're going to do. We're going to highlight. We're going to highlight what stands out to us. We'll walk you through the whole method of, of how we're going to read and study the Bible. Everybody's going to be doing it together. And then once a week, you're going to get together with your group, and you're going to talk about what the Lord's doing in your life. Right? So we're going to, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Okay? But listen, don't wait till then till we lay out the whole method of what to do. Start highlighting the promises of God now. Why? Because they are true and you can build your life upon them. Right? When God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, you can take it to the bank. Because he was with Joseph in prison and he was with him in the palace. Now, you may think you're in prison right now, but that is okay because God is with you. And he won't leave you and he won't forsake you. You can take that to the bank, right? So we have to read the Word so we can know the Word. We have to highlight the Word. We have to start trying to commit to memorizing those things, right? And lastly, here, here we go. So we have to trust God and wait with expectation. Uh, what's the theme of week one of Advent? Starts with an H. It's my wife's name. Come on. Hope. You know what hope is? Hope means you expect something. That's what it means. Waiting with expectation, that's being filled with hope. God, I know what your word says. I'm trusting you to move. Right? I want to see you move. All right? That's what we're going to do.